Good afternoon, everyone. Allison Skaberg here with Consolidated Planning Group, and we are happy to be here uh, today with uh, Workforce Solutions uh, with April Martin. And uh, today we are talking about the letter of intent. So I know that we've got a lot of people coming in right now. Um, so let me just go over a couple of quick housekeeping items. Uh, today's webinar is being recorded and you will get a copy of today's slides uh, as well as the recording and any other handouts that we talk about or promise uh, during the webinar. So those will be emailed out later today or tomorrow. Um, so, and we do have uh, a few slides about some programs uh, that April uh, may talk a little bit about, but our main uh, reason uh, today that we are together is to talk about the letter of intent. Consolidated Planning Group is a holistic special needs financial planning firm um, specialized um, in, in working with families with special needs. I'm a parent, parent to four. I have two uh, children with disabilities, and um, I guess I can say I eat, sleep, and breathe this both um, personally and professionally. Um, so I'm happy to be here with you uh, today. If um, today is your first time uh, joining us, we're glad you're here. Um, if you have attended uh, any events in the past, um, we're, we are happy that you're here and glad you're back. Um, we will reference uh, the Consolidated Planning Group YouTube channel, and um, in our slides, there, there will be a link for that. All of our webinars uh, that we do live on our YouTube channel after the fact, um, and there are over 200 webinars um, surrounding topics um, as it relates to planning for special needs, and you can subscribe to that YouTube channel um, for free and can look at the various topics um, for the stuff that you're on uh, in your journey. So. Um, one of the things that um, makes our firm a little bit unique is we are nationally certified as Social Security Advisors and members of the Special Needs Planning Academy. A lot of families um, come to us um, because they want to plan for the future. Um, a lot of families don't know. We're not sure. We're hopeful and we're optimistic, but we, we're not there yet and we don't know where we're going to be and we want to plan. Um, we're able to do future care cost estimates for families um, to figure out what does it look like uh, if you have a special needs trust, what do I need to fund that special needs trust to provide for future care when I'm gone? We help families um, set up ABLE accounts um, and um, put together lifetime care plans. So th those are some of the services that, that we can provide as well as the social security analysis. When we have a child and has a disability whose disability started prior to age 22, uh, that child um, has the ability to be covered under a parent's work record uh, in the future. Um, so, and what that means, that social security analysis is gonna tell us exactly when and how to pull the trigger to maximize benefits for the whole household when it comes to social security benefits. Um, that, definitely applies to these kids whose disability started prior to age 22 and their ability to be covered under a parent's record. So what is a letter of intent and why do I need one? April was just saying she's uh, looking forward to uh, kind of learning a little bit more about uh, a letter of intent. I often call this um, also, it is really truly called a letter of intent, but I also call it a kind of a family love letter, right? Um, so the premise behind uh, the letter of intent is it's, it's really a document that's just really going to make sure that your, um, your loved ones, your future caregiver, maybe it's a trustee, 
um, our guardian or whoever would be that successor caregiver for your loved one um, really knows all there is to know about said child, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult with a disability. Um, A lot of times when it comes to us as parents or as a caregiver, um, you know, we take for granted that people know how things roll or or even our closest family members. It could be a parent or a sibling or things like that. Um, And oftentimes, even in your own household, if one uh, family member is a caregiver and the other person is um, is working outside of the home, sometimes even in our own home, um, there may be somebody that just really doesn't know the day-to-day, um, all of the ins and outs that, that the caregiver knows. So this is a document that is important um, to, I, I say, go alongside when you have a will, power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, maybe you have a special needs trust. This letter of intent is going to give you all of those um, functional details um, that may have been forgotten. So this is something that is, um, we actually have a template and for everybody that has signed up um, to to be here today, we are going to provide um, our form fillable template of the letter of intent is 20 pages long. I'll show you guys in a little bit. Um, but this is just for you to get the information down as a parent, we've got all this stuff in our head. We, you know, we, we, I always say that we, we have forgot more than anybody will ever know. And the thing is, is as we age, as we get older, if you become incapacitated or have an untimely death, we want somebody to be able to pick up this letter of intent and do the best that they can uh, to fill in the shoes. And it's going to be some big shoes to fill. So what we're trying to avoid is that they're not, you know, trying to dig through file cabinets, the floorboard of your car, dig through every, you know, nook and cranny in your house, trying to figure out some of this information. This is going to be all in this document. Um, When it comes to um, the letter of intent, you know, some people would say, do I really need a letter of intent if I already have, um, you know, a will and testament or a revocable trust or a special needs trust? What about guardianship? And and all of those documents are very necessary legal documents, but the letter of intent is very, um, very important to go alongside of those documents. And when I kind of refer to this as kind of a, a, a family love letter, so when it comes to our letter of intent is it is going to put everything ever about your child in there where where were they born what county were they born in what hospital were they born in who are their um who are their doctors names address and phone numbers what are their diagnosis history what are their medications um everything from likes dislikes allergies it just goes on and on and on schools they've attended um religious preferences Um, There's so many things that go into this letter of intent, but at the back of the letter of intent, that's where, um, as a parent, you can share your heart. So a lot of it is just, you know, kind of form filling and and filling in the information. Are there any policies? Who does, who, do they have health insurance? Do they get Medicaid? Are they getting a Medicaid waiver? Do they get SSI? There's so many things that are on that form, but there's not, you know, not till the end, is there a free space that as a parent, you can kind of write that letter, you know, I'm writing this because this is what my intentions are. This is what I want for little Johnny. 
Um, this is the journey that we've been on. You can tell your story, whatever that story is, you can put that story in there and, and really, really kind of really make this personalized. So what we recommend, so can you do your letter of intent uh, yourself? Yes, you could create your own letter of intent on, on Word or what have you, <clears throat> but you don't have to because we're going to send you our template. We do recommend that you do it um, <clears throat> in an electronic format so you guys can update this from time to time. Um, we usually recommend looking at it maybe once or twice a year. If the condition um, doesn't really change, excuse me, if the condition doesn't really change, then you maybe you can get by with it um, without, you know, with, you know, maybe not updating it twice a year. Um, some conditions change rapidly, so you might need to update it more frequently, and other conditions remain about the same. But we do want to make clear those medications changes, those physicians, those types of things, and things do change over the years with that. Doctors come and go, uh, your insurance changes, and now you have to go to a different facility and those types of things. So those are um, important things as well. So, oh, I am flying on this. There we go. Um, so what is listed in the letter of intent? Um, so this is going to be your basic family information. We talked about some of the govern government benefits, medical history and care, uh, living arrangements and, and accommodations. And I would add here, so you've got the living arrangements and the accommodations, but I would also add what your hope is for the future. So if your hope um, for the future is that your, um, your loved one will live in an intentional community uh, where they can work and have community and those types of things, whatever your intention may be, um, I would put that in there um, as well. So the educational history, employment history, personality habits, um, just everything, it just really gets in the weeds of everything, you know, you know, everything about your child. So, and, and what I can say is this is not something that you're going to do in one full swoop. Um, this can be an emotional journal. Whenever you're um, sitting down to work on this and you're kind of reflecting on where you've been, uh, where you hope to go and kind of the journey that you've um, been on. And again, our letter of intent is 20 pages long. Okay. So it's not, you know, I'm going to sit down and knock this out in 10 minutes. So if you don't have a letter of intent, it's okay. But I would say, let, you know, set a timeline of like, when do I want to um, have this completed by? Is it, you know, can I have it done by the first of the year? That would be, you know, good. You could probably do it. Um, it probably won't take you that long. But if you kind of put yourself on a timeline of this is when I want to do this, um, because what happens is a lot of times people put this type of thing off. And, and when it, what I mean by that is even on a like a webinar today, probably close to 90% of everybody that is on this um, meeting today either has an outdated will or no will at all, no healthcare power of attorney, power of attorney, or they don't know like their aging family members if they have a will or a power of attorney or healthcare power of attorney, because these are things. So my point is you're not alone. If that's you, if it's been, if it's been more than five years that you've, um, you know, looked at or updated your will, it's time to look at it and update those types of things. If you don't have one, um, it is important to get those documents in place. And what we're trying to avoid here is that, um, you know, when something happens, 
it happens quick, right? And so we don't want to find out in the middle of crisis that we don't have these necessary documents in place, the healthcare power of attorney, the power of attorney, those types of things. Um, and that's the same thing. If something happens to mom or dad, the caregiver in this situation, it's a crisis. It's a crisis for your loved one. It's a crisis for your family. And so having these documents in place and um, letting someone dear to you that would maybe be a trustee or um, a successor caregiver or whoever would be taking over, letting them know where these documents are. Some people choose to share them ahead of time and some people um, choose to have them in a safe place and let that person know where the safe place is. So if something happens to them, you look here, <laughs> you know, whatever that may be. I've heard all kinds of funny things like look in the freezer. If it says black eyed peas, then you know, I don't like those or something like that. You know, um, you can you put it anywhere. But some, sometimes people don't want to share that information now while they're alive. They just want somebody to know that if something happens to me, this is where it is. Maybe it lives on a flash drive. Maybe it's in, in a file, in a file folder in your cabinet. So just be thinking about that. And then also, um, if, you're, if you're doing this, and um, it's important to share this with your spouse. You don't have to go through everything together. Maybe that is something that you, that you would do together. But if you don't do it together, it's important that even the other person living in your household knows where this document is. Because a lot of times, you know, parents, you know, one parent handles X, Y, and Z, and the other parent handles the other thing. And sometimes we don't always communicate because life is busy, right? So just make sure you're communicating that to whoever is important in your life. So this is an example of our, um, our letter of intent workbook. I'm going to stop this share for a second, and I'm going to come back because I think I have it to where I can actually show you the actual template. So this is what everybody is going to get today. Uh, let's see if it's has it popped up on your screen, April? Can you see it yet? Mm -mm. Give it just a second. Okay. Oh, Is it wait. showing yet? No. Hmm. Let me try that one more time. Sometimes uh, technology does not always cooperate. Oh, somebody else said they saw it. Okay, maybe I can't see it because I'm got chat pulled up. Oh, other people see it, so. Oh, okay, perfect. All me. right, so this is our letter of intent. Yeah, it, it usually pops up on my screen that they can see it, and it didn't this time, so I apologize for that. So this is the letter of intent that everybody's going to get today that I said is 20 pages long. It kind of gives some instructions of what to do. Um, you can't mess this up. It's form fillable. And that's what I love about this, because if you create your own in the, you know, in the in the word document, it's a little bit different, but it has all the sections in there, kind of what you need to put in. But there's a lot of free form space um, towards the end of it. And that's where I was talking about the letter and, um, you know, other information that you can put in there. So there's just so much in here. And it's not anything like, you know, some of it, you know, I know some of our kids have a lot of doctors and a lot of specialists and things like that. So, um, so that may take some time for the name, address, and phone numbers of all of those types of things. Um, but a lot of the other stuff you're going to just breeze right through. Okay. So this is just an example um, that, you know, that you guys will be able to fill in. And then let me get to that free space. It just kind of 
but attorneys, bank accounts, all kinds of stuff, any, you know, special, um, you know, arrangements, any other, um, you know, people of, you know, that you want to contact that, that might be a good contact for somebody that's good. So it just kind of goes in there. And so then that the rest kind of goes into that free space of the letter and whatever it is that you want to say um, to whoever might be reading that. We so do have I a think, question in the chat. Yes. You put sure. that up. Is there a space for three siblings on there on the letter of intent? I'm assuming. I, I, I think so. I, I think that there is. Um, I'd have to go back and look at that, but I mean, we definitely have a lot of families that have more than three. So, um, I haven't really, you know, paid attention to that part. Most of the places you're going to have more than enough space. I mean, there are, you know, cases where there's like an endless list of doctors and things like that, but there, most of the cases there, there is more than enough space. Did we have any other questions? Nope. That's our only one for right now. Okay, perfect. Um, all right, so when it comes to um, you know, ourselves and as parents, so the bottom line is when it, when it comes to being a caregiver, 53% of caregivers say their own health had worsened due to caregiving and that their declined health af affected their ability to provide care. And this is where we just spend a little bit of time at, um, saying, and it's easier said than done, right? We always say, you know, you've got to take care of yourself because as, as parents, we're always taking care of everybody else. Um, but it really, really is. And I, I think about this and um, kind of as this is the marathon, not the sprint. Right. So our life looks a little bit different. If you have a loved one um, that doesn't, you know, take that traditional path, maybe maybe they will live with you forever. Um, maybe if um, if not forever, that it's going to be, a, you know, a 10 or 15 year extended period. Um, then, you know, getting out of high school and going to college and those types of things. And, and that ends up being a long time and the other, and that, and that's okay. We love our, we love our kids and that's okay. But when your semblance of retirement looks a little bit different, right? So, you know, as opposed to being an empty nester and a free spirit and we're going to travel the world and all of those things, um, you know, it, my point is, is we got to have some balance. Okay. So when we're when we are thinking about the future and we're thinking about transitioning or we're thinking about our loved ones, some of that balance is some of the respite care, um, some of just balance, balance so that way your own retirement looks like some of the picture that you had hoped for, and that what we also try to avoid is that kids leave the public high school or the transition program or whatever and they come home and they sit at home. And they don't have community, they're not working, they don't have, um, you know, friends and things like that. And then, and then again, it's kind of all encompassing. So that balance is really, really important. And 55% and of um, caregivers are unaware of how to establish a lifetime financial plan for their special needs dependent. And so I often talk about this as, you know, when we have a loved one that's going to be with us for the rest of um, the rest of our life. Um, it's almost like a third retirement bucket. So if you're married, you know, you have a husband and wife, um, you know, and their retirement, two retirements, and, and, and the average person will spend 25 to 35 years in retirement. But if you have a child that has care needs for the rest of uh, their life, that is like a third retirement bucket. So, you know, planning early, 
Um, and, and having a really disciplined approach uh, to, to your plan is going to be really, really important to find that balance so that way we can have the good health that we uh, need to be able to, to run the marathon instead of the sprints, right? Do we have another question, April? We don't. We did have a comment that the template's very useful and they're very excited to use it for themselves and several other family members, so. Great. I'm happy. We're happy for sure to share that. Um, we mentioned earlier um, that we have um, webinars. Consolidated Planning Group um, has actively been um, putting webinars out there, you know, for a few years. I mean, we were doing, you know, kind of in-person uh, speaking uh, quite a bit prior to COVID, and then we kind of really moved our webinars uh, to, um, to, to a webinar model because it, it turned out that, you know, from from the, the ability to attend and things like that, it made it a lot easier for everyone. So COVID, COVID that, that was born from COVID. It did, it did make things a lot easier, but these, um, these webinars were really originally born out of my own, um, my own frustration um, of uh, one of my daughters and in transitioning into adulthood and how everything was so difficult. There's so many things to know from SSI and Medicaid and waivers and these wait lists and, Oh my gosh, it just goes on and on. The special needs trust and the first party and the difference between a third party and guardianship or alternatives to guardianship. And it was just so much. It was like drinking out of the fire hose. So these webinars were really born out of my own frustration um, and to be able to just put this out there so families could be able to feel like they weren't drowning, kind of, you know, or fish out of water when it comes to this stuff and to have the information that they need for free at their fingertips to kind of muddle through some of this. Um, so our, um, our YouTube channel was born. It's the Consolidated Planning Group YouTube channel. You can find it out there. And this link, um, when you click on this link later today, when you guys get the slides, it'll have all of our upcoming webinars um, for the month of December. You can sign up um, for any of those webinars for free if they're um, interesting to you or an interesting topic. And those webinars will live on that YouTube channel um, after the fact. So let's um, let's talk a little bit, April, about um, getting connected because we um, talked about workforce solutions and um, we have had webinars in the past um, regarding workforce solutions and also workforce commission. There's sometimes there's some confusion of who does what, and a lot of families have heard about vocational rehab. So tell us a little bit about your slide, um, April, and, and how people can get connected and kind of who you guys serve. Okay, I'm not real sure which slide you have up because I'm not able to see them, but I think you have the Get Connected slide up, if I'm correct. I okay. do. So on the Get Connected slide, it's just to help connect people with vocational rehabilitation services. And what we do at Workforce is we want to keep people working in Texas. And so we provide solutions to that. So we deal with anyone that has a health barrier or a disability to either help them obtain, maintain, or um, elevate their work situation. And some of the things that we do that people don't know about is we can even help pay for cataract uh, surgeries or for people's deductible if they have problems with those. I will state everything is on an individual um, basis. So it depends on your situation. So I'm not stating that that's a guarantee that if somebody you know has cataracts that we're going to help with that. 
but vocational rehabilitation is for anybody that has a barrier to being at work or returning to work or obtaining work. And um, the connection here is so that you can just go on to any of our websites and find a workforce solutions office in your area, because I realize you have a lot of people today that are from different areas. My slides keep flying. I, I have had the worst technology today. It's Monday. It's Monday after a nice holiday week, right? That's how that works. So yes, um, VR um, is, is sometimes um, a, a best kept secret and a lot of um, a lot of your schools, you're going to have a VR counselor at your public high school, and a lot of the private schools have a VR counselor too. Um, so um, they, you know, the individual has to have a disability that is an impediment to employment. And so, what I can say is that I have found that service is helpful. Um, initially, um, so there is a um, start my VR. You guys can um, you guys can Google that. You can start your VR VR on on your own for your for your loved one. You can go through the school, the liaison at the school, or you can do it right online. Um, but what's really going to happen is once you have been approved and your your the the student is set up for for VR, they're going to do some assessments because they're going to they're going to get a kind of a a work plan in place and they're going to do some assessments. Some of those assessments are also helpful. It's kind of twofold because a lot of those assessments are helpful if they're going to go to any higher education post high school, as far as getting accommodations, they might do a neuropsych test. They might do um, a vocational evaluation and that vocational evaluation is very, very comprehensive and it helps identify. So you don't have to know what your child's, um, impediments are to employment. They're going to figure that out. So I, to me, I think it's worth it. And then once they figure out what those impediments to employment are, then they're going to put some training programs in place to help uh, your loved one. I don't know. I just, I'm a big fan. I think it's a, I think it's a great program. So you guys definitely should ch check that out. But April, can you tell us just a little bit about the differences? Because there is some confusion because uh, we got workforce solutions and that is a program uh, you like the this this the pre-employment mm -hmm. training services and and something that you guys also may have heard of before is seal summer earn and learn so can you tell us the difference between you guys because it, we're confused about all the names you guys throw around workforce solutions and workforce commission sure so workforce solutions are offices that partner with vocational rehabilitation. We partner with several programs and vocational rehabilitation is one of them. We also partner with veterans programs and other things, but overall Workforce Solutions is an in-house solution to anybody that's looking for a job. I specifically deal with vocational rehabilitation. There are other people who deal with veterans affairs, people coming in off the street who just need jobs. We also work with employers. I, one of the things that I do is I do, um, you mentioned summer earn and learn. I do what's called paid work experience. And that's a year round version of SEAL where students can actually work during part of their school day. That's part of what we call those pre-employment transition services. We call them pre-ETS for those who don't, who hear that term and say, well, what is that? And one of those is paid work experience where we put students on a work site so that they can pick up one individual skill to be able to add to the resume. We'll provide job coaches on the site. Um, we start at age uh, 17 and we go till 22 with the pre-employment transition services. 
because I saw that what age jump up there on my feed. Now, um, they say for VR that it starts as early as 14 to 22. Is that true for VR? It is, yes. Generally speaking, when I'm talking about the paid work experience, we can do students as young as 14. All the pre-employment transition services are 14 to 22. Most of my paid work experience are kids that are 17 to 22. And I just say it because employers in our local workforce area want children that are just a little bit older, but all of our services are age 14 to 22 for transition. So I am a fan of that. So when we're thinking about a transition plan and transition planning, I, I love the idea that it starts as early as 14. Um, because some of our kids are behind. Some of our kids aren't where they need to be and you starting them early so that way they can really put their best foot forward at 16 or 17 and not get started and be two or three years away from um, you know, actually having that paid work experience. So I don't think you can start too early. I feel like 14 is great. And if your kid is already 16 or older, it's okay. It's, you're not too late. You're not late to the party. You can still, you can still do this. But, um, and one, one person said in the chat box, you know, this isn't income-based. It is need-based. It's for an individual who has a disability and um, of which is an impediment to the, to employment. And, you know, it could be, you know, sometimes, I mean, obviously we don't as parents, but, you know, you, you think of some kind of very clear disability, but sometimes it's not as clear. Sometimes we have kids that have ADHD or mental health challenges, and they may not have all of the other alphabet soup of everybody else or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they may have impediments to employment because of their impulsivity. Okay. So that would be an example. Um, you know, kids on the autism spectrum, maybe they're kind of their, their social inefficiencies or things like that. That could be an impediment to employment. People that have a volatile, you know, kind of a zero to a thousand in like two seconds, uh, from an anger perspective or things like that, or they can't take constructive criticism or things like that. Those are all impediments to employment. So you don't have to think of like the the biggest, most horrible impediment to employment and say, well, my, you know, my child doesn't have it. It could be small. I mean, it could just be, you know, social interaction or being able to disclose their disability or, you know, how to handle themselves in, a, in the workplace when there's something going on. There's, there's just so many things. So anyway, we just wanted to make sure uh, that you guys did know uh, that this is this is out there. And then also um, Workforce Solution put out an employment. It's a spreadsheet. It's very comprehensive, um, but it's it, it's a lot, a lot of pages, but it's pretty cool because it kind of talks about all these different jobs out there and what it would take to get that job, like how much training, how much do you have to go to college or not go to college? Do you have to have a license? What would it pay? And um, so that's a really cool tool that they have, um, that they have made uh, in the, in the past. And that's something that can be shared as well. Yes. I'm going to put it in the chat real quick. Texas uh, reality check and career check are also wonderful applications that people can go to. And there are also a couple of fun games like uh, Career Pop that younger kids can use because, as you were stating, it's uh, really never too early to just at least start asking them what types of things they're interested in versus the what do you want to be when you grow up? Because sometimes that's intimidating. If it's not, that's great. Ask that question. But otherwise, just start initially figuring out what kinds of things your kids like to do and then 
the other thing that I would encourage is if you do have an individual with substantial disabilities, they can still work. Their workday might not look like somebody else's. It might be 10 hours a week, but they still can. And those services do apply to 504 students. I had someone point that out in the chat. So they do not need to have an IEP or be in special education in order to receive those vocational rehabilitation services. And, and, and again, it's, it's not dollar-based. It's not like income-based or anything like that. There is state and federal funded. These programs are state and federally funded. Um, and so that's how like that testing, I mean, some of those testings, I mean, it could be like three to $5,000 worth of testing that these programs cover that VR basically covers the cost of those tests. So, and a lot of times, um, insurance doesn't um, pay for that. But one thing you said, I wanted to make sure that everybody's clear on. Um, so what happens is when you do go into VR, um, there, there is a plan. They call it an IPE. So it's an individualized plan for the for for your loved one. Um, so it's personalized. It's individualized, and it has to be in line with the plan. So, is it, it like in her example of the cataracts? They might do cataract surgery because he obviously needs to be able to see to work or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that would be an example that, of something that they might cover, but. Um, it has to be part of the plan. So if people say, well, I heard you guys call, you know, t uh, cover cataract surgery, or I heard you guys cover disability, uh, driver's disability training. Um, those are things that could be covered. Sometimes higher education is covered. Um, it, you know, there is kind of a budget thing on that and it, and it's not like Medicaid. So they have a, they have kind of a matrix and it plugs all the stuff in and it says, what would be covered or if there's a cost share that is that the family would be responsible for. But I've seen it cover a lot of things um, because it is in line of the IPE. If the, you know, if it calls for plumbing and they have to get a certification, there's just so many things. So it's just, it's definitely worth your while to check these programs out. And again, you can check with your counselor at the school. Um, we, uh, you know, during the summer, we just suggest people get on the start my VR and do it themselves since the counselors aren't necessarily there, but you can, so you can do it yourself um, or you can check with your counselor at the school. Um, so this is April's contact information. Um, she is the student hireability navigator for Texoma. And there are um, a lot of times when we have webinars, we have people on from all over the state, you know, maybe not just in your area, but April um, can get you in contact for the contacts for your area. They have, they have people in seats all across the state. And so she can definitely get you um, in contact with the right person as well. Yeah, so, um, Thank you, April, for that. I, I think, you know, I will say it is a labor of love. When you first sign up for um, VR, it is a lot of paperwork required. I mean, they need the diagnoses and they're going to look at, they're going to look at those, any kind of proof and any kind of records that you have, any expenses that you've, you know, paid in the last 12 months or whatever it was that, you know, that might be able to be covered. So it is a lot of documentation that you end up pulling together. So a good scanner or 
stopping by, you know, UPS store to scan it to you yourself in a PDF or something like that for upload is probably the easiest way um, to, to go about moving forward. So as always, I always have things that should be um, on your special needs planning radar. We do have webinars on every single one of these topics. Um, we've talked about uh, several of them and we'll have upcoming webinars um, for the rest of them. But as you're, you know, kind of thinking about what is my list, we always have this, the, the never ending list, right? Like the, the never ending list. Um, what is my list? How should I prioritize those things? You know, what do I need to be looking at? Um, these are all some of the things that should be on the radar. Okay. Um, we work on a collaborative team here at Consolidated Planning Group, and um, I often do the webinars. Michelle does a lot of them as well, so I always just like to put some faces uh, with names on our awesome team. Um, we offer um, free personalized consultations. Um, a lot of times when we're on a webinar um, of this size, you know, some people may have um, specific questions that they might not want to get it, get in the weeds on them um, in the chat box or something like that. Um, but we always offer a free personalized co consultation um, where we will um, seek to understand a little bit more about you and your family, what type of planning that you've done so far. We'll share a little bit more about us and how we work um, and, and kind of just kind of go through the different doors that you can walk through with Consolidated Planning Group. So we are happy. Uh, to um, answer any questions uh, that we can. And so uh, we certainly look forward to meeting with you. Um, we've got our Facebook um, page and our YouTube channel on here as well. So you guys will be able to click that link and be able to subscribe um, to that. Having said that, we're a little bit early for today. Um, I'm happy to take any additional questions uh, before we wrap up, if we have any additional questions in the chat box. We don't right now. I don't have any. Nope, I'm just okay. Well, April, it is as always, it's a pleasure um, to be back with you again today. And we'll look forward um, to having some more webinars with you in the new year. Um, so thank you guys, everybody for attending. Again, you guys are going to get a copy of today's slides. You are going to get a copy of the recording and you are going to get a copy of our PDF of the letter of intent. So you guys can look for that in your, um, in your inbox. I think I see... You yes. Um, so I, I, I see somebody is saying, can I um, have an appointment? So yes, um, this, this little QR code, you can just take a picture of that when you get those slides now or when you get your, um, you know, if you want to take a, put your camera over that, it'll take you to an appointment um, calendar to where you can set an appointment um, to get started. So happy to do that. So you can also reach out to our office directly by email or phone. So the QR code will take you to book an appointment and you can call or email as well. So thanks everyone. It's certainly been a pleasure. I hope everybody has a great afternoon and a great week. Thanks again, April. Take care. Take, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Securities and advisory services offered through Triad Advisors, member FINRA and SIPC, Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated and Triad Advisors LLC are not affiliated. Advisory services offered through Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated. Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated is not affiliated with Triad Advisors.